if you kind of took a pen and paper and worked your way through Luke's gospel. It's interesting to notice in, in the gospels, but especially in, in Luke's gospel, the amount of time that Jesus engages with people in a spiritual conversation around a dinner table. Amazing amount of time, just over a meal, going off back to kind of this. And that's what's happening here in these verses that we read earlier. Jesus, on a, on a Sabbath day, went into the house of a Pharisee for dinner, where we are told that he actually was being carefully watched. Actually, that's code for they were trying to trip him up. They were trying to catch him out particularly in relation to something to do with the Sabbath. And while there, Jesus performs a, a, a miracle on, on, on a man who, who suffered from dropsy. Then what he does is he has a talk based on humility. And he again uses a parable regarding a wedding feast where the emphasis is on inviting not the well-to-do, not those who are kind of able to return the invite, but he encourages them to invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and, and the blind. Basically, that is those who of that day were the outcasts of society. And Jesus finishes that parable with the promise that there will be kind of, if you, if you like, a repayment, a, a reward come the resurrection of the righteous for those who do such things. Verse 14. And all of this, particularly that bit, verse 14, strikes a chord with one of the guests who were there that day. And he makes a statement. And he says, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God or in the kingdom of God. And it is following that statement that, that Jesus then tells the parable that we've just read. I happen to think that it is more than likely that the man who made that statement was being a little bit self-righteous, kind of believing that no matter what, he would be among those that were going to be sitting at the feast in the kingdom of God. And in many ways, that is what lies at the heart of this parable. It is a challenge to those who just presume that they are in line for such a blessing. Especially the Jew. Because the previous chapters show us Jesus giving repeated warnings to the nation. And we can see here in this parable, in some ways, if you like, the Jews being amongst or, or, or cited as the first who are being invited. And then the, the second kind of invitation, the extended heading before we spend time around the Lord's table. The first is this. Notice that there were invitations that were extended. This great banquet has been prepared. And the man who is holding the banquet, the, the host, if you like, has already invited many guests. And so it is important as we read this parable that we understand that invitations have already gone out. 
now, as then, there was a lot of jerky vent. And what would have happened in that time of Jesus is that there would have been an, 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 uh, sorry, an initial invitation to, to which people would have responded. And then, as we will see, when the time comes, when the banquet is ready, the master would then send out a servant telling them, reminding them that the feast has begun. It was a kind of double invitation. If you think back to our studies in Esther, we, we see that when Esther invited Mordecai and um, no, it wasn't Mordecai, it was Haman. Uh, we invited Haman and, and the king. There, there is a double invitation. Both Esther 5 verse 8 and Esther 6 verse, verse 14. And one of the scholars tell us that at this time that, that in Jerusalem at this time no man would have went to any banquet unless they had been invited first. So before we get to our next point, we need to realize that actually an invitation already has been not only extended, but actually has been accepted. And I say that because the servant knew who to go to. He knew who to go to in order to tell them that, look, remember that banquet you're invited to? Well, everything's ready. You're not going to go and tell somebody to come to a banquet who has not been invited or who had refused the invitation. So, so people who heard, people who received the invitation, for them that time had now come. An invitation was extended here. You know, as we move forward, in many ways here is, if you like, a foretaste of the greatest of all. And, and the invitation is extended. Will you come? Have you dined? Jesus says, stay there. But the parable, like all parables, takes something of a twist. Because we see that despite these invitations that have been extended, and despite, as can I believe and would argue quite strongly, that they have been accepted, we read that come the time, come the moment of truth, that excuses Jesus tells us of three people. Of three people who, when they were all approached, every one of them made excuses and didn't come to the banquet, although they had been invited, although they had accepted. And to opt out at this late stage was to say the very least that they would. However, it from far more than just three. Because as we read through the parable, we actually are told that when the meal started, there was still room for many more. So it seems to me that it wasn't just these three people who refused to come. 
And what we have in these three excuses given, we see, I would suggest to you, that they cover many people's excuses still today. Especially in the response to the gospel. The first one, or, or, or the first that covers kind of all three, is actually one of insincerity. Yeah, we'll come. Yeah, we'll come. We're going to push and push up the excuses just kind of here locally. It's another danger, brothers and sisters, that the same can happen regarding Christians. Yeah, I'll follow Jesus. But when push comes to shove, and when I have to do this, whatever this might be, or I have to do that, well, actually, what kind of excuses are they? Because there's an insincerity. But what about the first man? The first man speaks that, well, sorry, I can't make it because uh, I've got a piece of land that I've just bought and I, I kind of got to go and see it and make sure it's okay. Really? The purchasing of land then as now was a kind of long kind of drawn out affair. He, he, he actually would have had plenty of time to look at it later. It's night time. The field's going to be there tomorrow. He just didn't want to come. Or rather perhaps more than that was a business opportunity seemed a better idea. Perhaps a bit like the rich fool that we looked at previously. But then the next man, what about his excuse? Well, well, actually, he's apparently just bought you oxen. And actually, he needs to go again, just like what you were doing. He needs to go and he needs to make sure that they're all in working order. Really? Would you not determine that before you got there? For him, it's a case of work takes priority. I'm too busy to see. final guy well he does what all husbands since Adam have done and he blames his wife he shifts the blame we're all good at that in a whole variety of disguises and the one thing is going to divide them no doubt thinking that there will always be Another invitation. Riches and seeking and chasing after. Work at the door, hoping, shifting the blame. Beware of excuses. You see, we really need to see here in this parable Jesus as the master. Jesus who is inviting and the feast as the great feast 
relations speakers, they're only inventing and only work for certain elites. And for these three, and however many more they represent, they're stuck. invitation to the banquet was lowered down the scale of value and price. And one excuse after another excuse. And it is they, sadly, as verse 24 shows, were the ones who really missed out. One writer says this, to prefer anything is self-complacent to God's will. Got to be so careful, so careful in the excuses we use. We're either one refusing the invitation of the gospel, as we were thinking of this morning, which is the most important, and secondly, we're not engaging in the wider work of Jesus. Invitations are extended, excuses were offered. Finally, grace and mercy. Masters told the servants to go out. And he comes back and informs his masters of, of all the excuses they make. And actually, they're, they're not coming. They've refused to come. They're too busy. And we are told that he became angry. If we are to take the master in the story as being the Lord, being God, I, I think we do, then perhaps to think on God being angry towards those who reject his invitation is something that, that might sit a bit uneasy with us. Yet we need to be true to scripture, brothers and sisters. We need to be true about the character of God. And we need to accept that anger, holy anger, is part of his character. And, and, and that's a whole kind of different subject that would take far longer than I have today. But it's important to recognize all of God's characteristics and all of God's attributes. However, what we see is that that anger does not seem to fester and, and, and it doesn't seem to put the master into kind of a bad mood. I don't know how you would react if you'd prepared a great barbecue and invited everybody and then nobody came. No, notice what the master does. He tells his servant to go quickly. You see, time is of the essence. And time is of the essence because the table is set. It's not going to be postponed for anything. And the servant is told to go into the street and into the alleys of the town and to bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. He is to go into that part of the town where the underprivileged live. Well, those who were seen as the outcasts were. You know, I believe, belong, 
the church in general has shied away from our streets and alleys of our inner cities. That's why the work of an organization like Kim Stevens is so important. If we're going to reach the spheres of that world, transfer church movement, if we're going to work reach the spheres and win the spheres of our communities. This invitation to come, notice it covers everything. But notice we are to go. And so the servant obeys his master. It's always good to obey our master. The servant obeys and, and, and press forward. They, 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 they come. But notice, still there is room. Still there is room. I, I kind of reminded, I scribbled it down in my notes, I just went over it this evening, but there's an old poem um, that, that talks something along the lines, there's a wideness in God's mercy. A wideness in God's Again, you can't ignore the go of the gospel. It's the first two letters. And this time, the servant is told to, to go to, to the road and to the country lanes. Basically, he's told to go to the equivalent of that today would be go to the Roman soldiers. Young man. All of them. So that my house might be full. Because this feast is going ahead. And it is open for all Go, invite them in. Invite them in from the towns and the streets and the alleys and the highways and the byways. There is room. There is room aplenty. It's interesting to notice that the ones the master tells the servant to go and invite is the same people that Jesus had mentioned in verse 15. Here is grace. Here is mercy. Here is love. And it is, it is, it is, extended to the least likely of people. Yet, we see if it's them or they that respond. You know what I kind of sometimes just rebuke myself every so often, kind of praying for people and, and, and such like and kind of think, that, that, that person's more likely to become a Christian than that person. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's, it's the most unlikely of people. What a motley crew was gathered round that table. But with all due respect, have a look around. <laughs> of grace and mercy. And here are these people. And, and, and they respond. And they come. And, and, and they sit at this, this table. And, and, and they dine like never before. The nearest, I was speaking to someone about this yesterday. It just came into my mind, so I'm digressing a little bit. But like talking about this great feast and, 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 and like uh, here at this table and and, and, and never imagining it. I, I remember years and years and years ago, I, Susan and I, uh, it was through a sales promotion that I won. Um, and we had 
People just probably couldn't believe that this was happening. Yet, yet, what did they do? They just responded to the invitation from Jesus. I think they got there and they noticed this out of Easter. I would know that. I, I sometimes up there get where I've just kind of stopped and wonder that God and his grace and his mercy and his love called out, reached out to me. And I had no time for him. And he said to me, the invitation wasn't for you. He called me. And yes, for many years I had my suicide attempts. But he persevered. And his grace saved me. Because of that, though, he says this, I have got my resignation date. There is great peace for me. Whereas Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28, he was wounded. The heart of this parable is that Jesus speaks. Jesus is the one issuing the invite. Firstly, and most importantly, the invitation to come to him for forgiveness. And second, to come and worship him. You know, Tina, this table before us, so much drinkery. There's a day that day that it will be redundant. One day there will be no need whatsoever for it. And for those who have accepted this gracious invitation, great peace comes for only 